0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. Merry Christmas. We're almost there, whether you are excited about that or not, or like, I still have a few more Amazon things to do, uh, or whatever it is. Glad that you are here and uh, worshiping together with us. So, um, as Nicole said just a little bit ago, tonight is a very special night, communion, open communion. If you want to be uh, served communion personally and prayed over, uh, it is one of the most powerful things that you will ever walk through or go through or experience, and so highly encourage that Uh, and then this coming Friday so we're talking literally like five days from today this is going to happen the turnaround is going to be quick five days from today Friday night we have our Christmas candlelight services and I want to talk to you guys about this because you are the church right you guys know I've harped on this so many times that the church is not a building the church is not a location the church is not a time right The church, when you hear the word church, the church means you. You are the body of Christ. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. You literally are the church. So when we say, I know that's weird to say, but when we say the church, that means you, okay? So I'm going to talk to you, our church, for a little bit because this Friday is a really, really important thing, okay? I'm going to ask you guys to consider some things, okay? First thing I want you to consider if you are a regular North Ridger and it doesn't matter which service you go to, I'm going to ask you to come to the second service, okay? If it doesn't matter, if either one works, I'm going to ask you to come to the second service. Here's why. Because logistically, to balance out the services helps us out a ton, So I just want you guys to know, we've actually rented, this is the first time we've done this, we've rented extra chairs to bring into the village center from another company, because the last couple of years, we've actually had to steal chairs from the kids ministry. I don't know if you've heard of stealing candy from a baby, but it's close to that, right? Stealing chairs from the kids ministry is not something that we wanna do. You guys helping us out by coming to the second service, as many as you uh, as can. Now, if you have to come first, that's fine. But if you can, come to the second service. That'll help balance this out, all right? Because we're gonna have a ton of people here. We have rented chairs. We're prepared. We're ready. But just if you can do that, that would be awesome. Okay, a few more things that I wanna ask you to do though. When you come on Friday, get here earlier than you normally do, right? Some of you are like five minutes into the service, so you're going to be like five minutes before the service. That's awesome. Some of you are five to ten minutes before the service, you're going to be 15, 20, okay? That's awesome. Whatever your mode is, get here earlier, okay? When you get here, this is, these are the next two hardest asks I'm going to ask of you. When you get here, park far, far away. It's going to be beautiful, I'm sure. No rain. It's going to be warm and balmy. I don't know, right? But even if it's not, if it's snowing like crazy, last year it was, by the way. Remember that? Big snowstorm last year on our candlelight services. Park far away. I'm serious. Park far away. What we want to do is we want to leave the best parking spots for all of our guests and all of our visitors who are going to be here that night. So park far away. If you can, don't even park in the parking lot, park in the street okay now one of my favorite things about our church is when people come to visit for the first time i hear this a lot they say i couldn't believe it we got to park like right by the doors this is on a normal sunday church let me just tell you we're winning and we're doing something that jesus honors when we serve people before they ever even meet us yes yes so this is every Sunday, but especially on Christmas candlelight night, okay? Park far away. Uh, if you need to drop some people off and then you get to walk, that's awesome, okay? Um, next thing, okay? When you come in here, this is going to be the hardest ask probably of all of you. When you get here, sit close together. And what do I mean by that? I mean sit close to the front. I know scary pastor's going to see you. Let me just say this. It's the Christmas candlelight, which means it's dark. There's a spotlight. I'm not going to be able to see you anyway, okay? So you're going to be fine. But sit close to the front and sit close together. If there is a chair between you and where you sit, nope, that's a no. X out, you move over, right? And you cuddle up to whoever that is and say, stranger danger, what's your name? Okay, The reason is because we need to pack this place out. We need to use every chair in the place, okay? I'm just asking you to help us out that way. And then finally, finally, will you do something that's really, really important? This is the most important of all of them. Invite, invite, invite. We're going to elevate Jesus on Friday, like in a big way. It's a beautiful thing. We're gonna do the candlelight. We're gonna sing Silent Night. It's it's one of the most beautiful things that we ever do. It's awesome. But the most important thing that we do is we promote and elevate Jesus. And we're gonna do that on Friday. And so invite everybody you know. Seriously, you have two cards on there. You guys have probably already grabbed them from before. They're not for you. They're for somebody else. Uh, When you see this on social media, we should see everybody in our church posting. Don't worry about offending people. They're already offended anyway. No, I'm serious. They are. We all know they are. Don't worry about that. Seriously, don't worry about that. Share Jesus to everybody you know and then see what happens, all right? Uh, Laura, my wife has been awesome at this. She's been inviting people like crazy. We just got uh, uh, received in somebody that said, yeah, hey, we're we're gonna come on Friday. Blew our minds. Never thought they would. You never know invite 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 come yourself and by the way when you invite make it personal instead of just inviting them to it invite them to come with you say we'll be there we'll even meet you at the door maybe we can even carpool together whatever it is make it personal okay this friday candlelight services you get it park far away sit close invite everybody you can social media let's hit it and let's promote jesus together can we do that all right we're looking forward to it all right Uh, I'm going to move on. All right. In the year 2001 for me, that was the summer before I graduated college. So I had one year left to go and my friends and I, we decided that we wanted to hang out together for the whole summer. And so we got jobs at Yellowstone National Park. One of the best decisions of my life, okay? And we worked there all summer, but one of my favorite things to do while we worked in Yellowstone was I would find mountains that looked just impressive, like they had amazing peaks to them. And I was like, okay, we, want, we need to go climb that mountain. I don't know how we're gonna get there or what we're gonna do or what we're gonna find, but we need to try to climb that. That's one of my favorite things to do. No plan, let's just go. And so one morning, early in the morning, we drove to the northern side of Yellowstone National Park, and this was a mountain I'd been seeing for the last two months and I was I had always wanted to climb it I didn't know what it was called at the time but now I do it's called electric peak and I have a picture of it to so you can see this from miles away this is what it looks like okay it is an amazing I mean does not not just scream please climb me right for me, I'm just telling you, when I see a mountain like that, that's what it screams. I, I, I kid you not. I know I'm weird, but it's okay. But that's, I'm like, yes, this is gonna be awesome. Electric Peak is amazing in Northern Yellowstone, okay? So I want to climb that. So we get up early in the morning and we start hiking to this thing. I don't know if there's a trail to get there. I just see the mountain. And so we parked alongside the road and we just started heading through Brush, I mean, I kid you not, started going over hills and valleys. And eventually we got to the base of the mountain and we started climbing this mountain. And on a partway up the mountain, pretty early on, we found this path, this trail that had been cut to go up, look like it went up the mountain. I'm like, ah, there's a trail that does this. This is perfect. And so we started following this trail. Now we could have come a whole bunch of different ways. We had all these pathways that we came to. But when you got to the top of Electric Peak, I have a picture of this. Let's pull up that picture real quick. This is not me at the top. I wish it was, all right? I wish I had a picture. I don't have a picture when I got on the top of this. I don't have any pictures of that. Um, But this person is up there. You can kind of see at the top of Electric Peak, it drops off on three sides. Where the camera is, is sitting, where they took the picture from, is the only path, the only path to get up there. Every other path, without, unless you have equipment or something else, you're not going to make it up there. You have to follow the spine of this mountain to get to the very top. And they've actually anchored like a metal box up there so you can sign your name. I was like, ah, oh, this is so cool. I didn't know this. And we got there, and it's just an amazing place. Lots of pathways to get to the mountain, but when you get to the top of the mountain, there's one route. There's only one path to get to the top. The same is true of the Christmas story, isn't it? A lot of pathways that people take to get to Jesus. Some people, they go, they grew up their whole life in church. Some people, they recently came to Jesus. Some of us in here, we don't even believe in Jesus. We haven't even gotten there yet. We're all coming from different pathways. But when you come down to the Christmas story, there is only one path to get to God, and that is through Jesus, which is why the Christmas story is so important. And so today, we're going to finish up, not quite, we'll land the plane on Friday, the story of Christmas, okay? So if you're ready for like the hero part, good, come on Friday, all right? Because on Fridays when we're going to talk about the hero. So we've talked about the problem in the Christmas story, sin. We've talked about the main characters, Joseph and Mary. We're going to talk about the hero on Friday in the Christmas candlelight services. We're going to talk about the hero of the story, Jesus himself. But today, we're going to talk about the supporting characters. It's, it's probably some of the favorite people that people have when they think of the Christmas story, the supporting characters. So I'm going to start with the first group of supporting characters. Again, huge part to play in the Christmas story, but just not central figures, right? Huge influence on the story, just not central figures. The first group that we're going to start with are the shepherds. You guys remember the shepherds, right, in the Christmas story? So I'm going to read out of the book of Luke, And we're going to learn about the shepherds and what happened to them right after the birth of Jesus. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to start with verse 8. That night, this is right after Jesus was born, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child the shepherds we all know the shepherds are a part of the story but i want us to notice something about that's interesting about the shepherd story that maybe we never think of and that is this did you notice that the shepherds weren't looking for jesus did you know that they weren't looking for jesus were they You know what they were doing? They were doing what they always do. They were doing their job. What was their job? To guard the sheep. They have to protect the sheep. They were out in the field. They're protecting sheep. They're doing what they always do. They're doing their job. And then what did God do? What did Jesus do? He interrupted their life, didn't he? And what did it say about their emotion When God interrupted their life, what did it say? They were what? They were terrified. They were not just a little scared, they were terrified. Sometimes when God interrupts our life, it might be terrifying. It might be hard. It might be different. And the truth is that when God interrupts our lives, God is calling us to do something different to change your story a little bit, right? To change what you're doing and where you're going and what you are. All of a sudden, God called the shepherds to stop doing what they were normally doing, which is guarding the sheep, and he wanted them to go see this new baby, this baby Jesus, and then he wanted them to go tell everybody else about it. Well, that's a different mode for shepherds in that day. I don't know about you, but how many of you, if God interrupts you and says, you know what? I want you, I don't want Pastor Brent to preach on Friday. I want you to preach on Friday. How many of you be like, yeah, let's go. Let me get up there. Woo, this is going to be awesome. How many of you love standing in front of people, right? You're like, yes, God, bring it on. No, right, why? It's terrifying. Why? Because of the change. It shifts our story. It's uncomfortable. And yet that's exactly what God did for us. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I like to write my own story. Do you guys like to write your own story? I like to have control over my own story. I really do. I do. I like to control my own story. In fact, we like to make the story however we like to make it. We create our own in our head. Can I prove this to you? Let me prove this to you using the Christmas story, okay? Now, high school boys in the room, you cannot be involved in this because I just did this with you last Sunday night, okay? So you guys are out, sorry you'll be fine. All right, you already knew some of the answers anyway, Josh. All right, so all right, let me ask you some questions, okay? See if you got this. What was the mode of transportation? What was the form of transportation that Mary and Joseph took on their way to Bethlehem? Does anybody remember? How did they get there? Okay, donkey, right? Anybody else? Something different? Maybe a Tesla? Whatever? No? Okay, not yet? Okay, too soon? Got it. All right, no, The truth is, we have no idea how they got to Bethlehem. We've invented the donkey. You know why? Because we don't like the thought of Mary being nine months pregnant and having to walk all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so we're like, she for sure rode a donkey because Joseph's a good guy. I'm serious. Look in the story, the donkey is not there. It's not there. Now you know where I'm going with this, don't you? I've played my cards. Let me ask you this question, how many wise men were there? Traditionally, how many you think? Three? Right. You know what we know? Absolutely no clue how many. There was somewhere between two and infinity. That's, that's what we know. We know it was more than one because the, the, the text is plural. So we know there was one more, it wasn't a wise man or a wise guy it was, it was wise men, okay, magi, kings. It was more than one. There were two at least, but maybe many more. There, you know why we think there were three? How many gifts does it say were brought? Three, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But what it actually says is they opened their treasure chests and gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It doesn't say that they each brought their own gift. It doesn't say that. You know what we've done? We've invented it. We've made up our own story because it makes more sense that way. And it makes really nice kids' pageants because then we just have to find three kids to do it. We've invented the whole thing, all right? Okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let me give you another one. What animals were at the nativity scene, like around baby Jesus? What animals were there? Just throw them out there. What do you think? Sheep, cows, donkey, <laughs> the, the invisible one that we've already talked about right? You know how many animals the Christmas story tells you there were? Zero. None. It doesn't say there were none. It just doesn't tell us there were any. You know what we've done? We've invented it because he was was laid in a manger. We know what a manger was. It's a feeding trough. So we kind of consider like uh, probably animals around. Maybe, but we don't know. And we certainly don't know what the animals were. Maybe there was an alligator. We don't know. Would have been weird. I know but it could have been. You know why? We've invented this story. One more question. What was, this is a hard one. This is a hard one. What was the name of the innkeeper who turned Mary and Joseph away? Evil, evil dude. Anybody know his name? Nobody can come up with this name. You know why? Because we invented him. He's not in the story. I kid you not, some of you are going to be like, I need to look this up. There's an inn, and by the way, the word for inn, we've created to be like a hotel and all kind of stuff. Bethlehem, is tiny. There's probably no hotel in Bethlehem. So there's probably not an inn in the way that we think of, by the way. But there definitely wasn't an innkeeper. It doesn't say the innkeeper turned him away. It says there was no room for them in the inn, and so we created a person because that's what our mind does. The truth is that sometimes we create the story that we want, that we think makes sense, and God wants to interrupt it. And he wants to say, but, but I'm writing a story and it's amazing. I want you to join with it, join with me. So the shepherds, not looking for Jesus, God interrupts their, their life and their story and says, I'm writing a new story. Jump in with me. Now, let's look at the second group of supporting characters. All right, we guys we already talked about them the wise men. Right, the wise men they come to visit Jesus a little later. It wasn't right when Jesus was a baby, it was probably Jesus was maybe one to two years old, he was probably closer to toddler status than infant baby status. Okay, so let's read about what happens after Jesus is born, but a little while later. Matthew chapter 2. Verses one through two. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Now I'm gonna skip a few verses. They go talk to King Herod. King Herod lets them know the prophet, the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And so that's where they go. Skipping down to verse nine. The wise men, different than the shepherds, were looking for Jesus. Right? They were looking for Jesus. They were actively trying to find Jesus. The shepherds were not. The wise men were. Two different kind of intentions. Right? The shepherds doing what they always do. God interrupted them. God interrupted the wise men also. And they resulted in seeking after and looking after Jesus. Now in both of these groups did you notice that god challenged the status quo he asked them to do something different than what they normally do did you notice that he asked the shepherds to leave what they were doing and go visit and worship jesus and share the news about him god asked the wise men to leave their homeland we don't even know where that was eastern lands it could have been as far over as india we don't know eastern lands we know it was a distance because of how long it took them and all the other kind of contextual stuff but they left their home they left their jobs they left their thing and they went and they ch- spent probably at least several months traveling to see Jesus and traveling back God asked them to do something drastically different than what they normally were doing now let me ask you this question is it possible that God is asking you to do something drastically different than everybody else around you? Is it possible? Is it possible God is calling you up, calling you out to do something different than every other human being is doing around you? To be different, to act different. Now, what's the problem with being different? You know what it is? You know what the the problem is? Conformity. You know what conformity is? It's when we like to conform to everybody else around us. Now, if you guys don't believe this is true, you guys have already seen this. I'm about to show something to you that proves we as human beings, we have a very strong need to fit in and to be the same as everybody else. We act like we don't want to, and yet we do want to be like everybody. We do not want to be an outlier, right? Right? We don't want to be an outlier. Let me prove this to you. So you guys remember when there was this show called Candid Camera on TV a long, long time ago? There was a newer show about 10 years ago, 2013-ish, and it was uh, called Would You Fall for That? Okay, and it was kind of like a candid camera. It was social experiments that they did and they put cameras up and you know, it, was a, it was an entertainment show. And so I found a clip of this. I showed this a few years ago, not this same clip, a completely different one, but I'm gonna show you a different clip and it's from the elevator prank. If you've seen this, right, you've seen this, but this shows the power of our need to conform. Our need to be the same as everybody else. Watch this clip and you'll see what I mean.
1: So, you walk into an elevator and naturally you turn and face the door, right? It's just what we do without even thinking. All right. In the blue T-shirt, that is Nadia. She is an innocent passer-by. has nothing to do with this. Everybody else in that elevator, they all work for Would You call For That. They are all in on the experiment. They are all purposefully facing the wrong way. Nadia is facing the front. You can just see the back of her head wearing the blue T-shirt. That's Nadia. She is facing the front of the elevator like a normal human being. Everybody else is facing the back. We're playing this to you in real-time, no editing, as it actually happened. Okay, floor two. Rebecca gets off, Emily gets on, she also works for us. We're swapping people in and out to reinforce the behaviour. Emily's acting like it's the most normal... Oh, Nadia's turned. Nadia... Okay, her bag is slipping off her shoulder, she's nervously playing with it. Nadia's now halfway round. Will she go any further? Emily gets off, Mike gets on. Again, Mike works for the show. Presses his button, faces the back like it's the most normal thing in the world, like he does it every day. Nadia is really feeling the pressure right now. I'm not going to see anyone else. Scott's making some small talk. He was on celebrity rehab, I think. Oh. Yeah. She's looking towards the back of the elevator because everybody else is. Floor four. Fourth floor, Mike gets off. Lauren gets on. Lauren also works for us. She's in. Oh, and Nadia, Nadia, Nadia has gone. The fourth floor, Nadia has turned all the way around. She's looking at the back of the elevator. That is not normal human behavior. Nadia is looking at the back of the elevator purely because everybody else is. Isn't
0: that crazy? The truth is, the only reason, it's amazing, isn't it? The only reason she turned around, because that is not normal. How many of you walk into an elevator and face the back and look at everybody else? None of you do. None of you do. I know you don't, because that's what nobody ever does. The only reason she did is because everybody else was doing the wrong thing. There's this need for us to conform. What if, just asking the question, what if our conformity to the world is rejecting what God is asking of us? What if everybody's facing the wrong direction and we're simply doing it because everybody else is? A lot of people think that being a Christian, being a follower of Christ is conforming, but I would say that it is the opposite of that. There's about a a billion Christians that claim to be Christians on the planet, but there are 8 billion people on our planet right now. We're rapidly approaching 8.1 billion. Okay, we've been growing for quite a while now. 8.1 billion people and about a billion are claim to be Christian. We are no we are definitely not in the majority. There's no conformity here. And what I think God is calling for us, maybe, is to be different. It's to be different. To not conform. Let me give you one other example of this. Uh, So in the 1950s, there was a psychologist. His name is Solomon Ash. And he did this experiment. He brought eight people into a room. Seven of them worked for him, worked for this psychologist. And they were actors, right? And then they brought an eighth person in that did not know what was going up. You know, all that kind of stuff. And so they brought him in and they sat him down and they gave him one simple test. And here was the test. They They put two cards in front of him. On the one card was one line. And on the other card were these other three lines labeled ABC okay and the simple question was this which line is the same as the first card okay now I don't know about you but if you look at that card it's it's very very obvious it's very clear line C is clearly the only answer it's the only line that's the same as the first, uh, the one on the first card, right? And so for the first several, they had all seven of those actors answer the correct answer. They said, uh, it's C. And of course, the eighth time, like everybody got it right, okay? But then they started to change it. They started to have the first seven people start one by one or all of them would answer the wrong answer on purpose, A or B. And then the eighth person you know what happened not every time but a large percentage of the time you know what they did even though they knew the answer was wrong they answered with the wrong answer simply so they could fit in with everybody else in the room what if god is calling on us to stop giving the wrong answer stop conforming and start living very very different I don't know about you, but it's harder, isn't it? Let me give you an example of this, really practical. So you guys remember at the very beginning what I asked you to do on Friday? Remember that? When I asked you to, when you come here, this is what I asked you to do. I asked you guys to park far away. You know what some of you in your head said? You're like, it's gonna be cold. I'm not parking far away. And you know why? Because... Who in their right mind? Like who, what human being, what do you do? What do we, what do I do? The first thing that I get to a restaurant or a mall, it doesn't matter what parking lot, it could be a doctor's office, it does not matter. What's the first thing I do? I go down the front row to make sure I'm checking to see if anybody just pulled out and I'm scoring a front row spot, why? So my family can be, dad, you're awesome. Thank you for being such an awesome dad and getting the front parking spot so we didn't have to walk the extra 27 and a half feet to the door and saved ourselves. By the way, you're going to walk more than that through the building anyway. But we fight for that front spot, don't we? Why? Because we're like, it's winter. It's cold. I'm not walking that far. I'm not doing that. It is hard to do different than what everybody else does. I don't know about you. Have you seen the people that pull in and they turn on their blinker to like secure the spot? It's like licking a cookie. Mine claimed it. You know what we do? We do. I'm serious. We do the exact same thing with our blinker. Claimed it. Uh Uh-uh. Back off. I've got my signal on. I'm letting you know. And what else do we do? If we want to be really passive aggressive, we inch forward if somebody else shows up. If you didn't notice my signal, my bumper's right there, and you better not. I will run you down. Right? Because those parking spots are sacred. The truth is, it's hard to sacrifice. Is it not? I've been angry at somebody for taking a spot that I thought I claimed. My family's heard me get angry about it because I feel slighted. I feel like I should be first. What if God is calling us to different? What if what Jesus said is true? The last shall be first and the first shall be last. What if that's true? What if everything is flip-flop from what we actually think? what's being presented to us in the world? What if God is calling us to sacrifice and, and serve others first and put ourselves at the end of the line? I know it's not popular, but what if Jesus is asking for that? And by the way, when we talk about the hero on Friday, we're gonna see that God gave us the example first, putting himself behind us. So I want to ask you this question. What path are you on? What path are you on? Are you actively chasing after Jesus or not? Because what I think God is calling us to do is to serve others and to give ourselves away, to sacrifice. Instead of taking, we're going to give. Instead of of consuming, we're going to sacrifice. I love what Craig Rochelle says actually about their own church. This is one of their core values. I've heard him quote it many times. I've heard him say this out loud, but I've never read it off their website. I decided to look it up on their website to see if it was actually there, one of their core values, and it is. And I want to just read it for you. It's, it's powerful about us as a church. This is truth about us as followers of Christ. Listen to what he says. He says, we are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers, the church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. That's powerful. The American menta- <clears throat> mentality of church is consuming. Sit and consume. Soak up whatever we can. Great service. Oh, mm, you know. We consume, we consume, we consume. And what I'm here to tell you is that is not what church is. Church is giving. Church is sacrificing. Church is pouring out. Uh, I just talked to somebody last Sunday, it was after one of our services and he was just so excited about whatever God brought up. We didn't even talk about this in the service, but he said Brent, I just wanted you to know, I was in a, a meeting at work and we were just sharing about the year and maybe what we need to do next year and he said all of a sudden everybody was sharing about various different things, about work and all that kind of stuff and he said all of a sudden I just started over, I just started spewing out, he said I started talking about God, I started talking about faith, I started talking about how we need to treat other people because of God and because of, you know, my faith and all kinds of stuff and he said I just started flowing out at work he's like I don't know where it came from and he was just so excited and I was like that's awesome you know I said you know what I think it is God has been doing work in this particular person over the last several months it's been really cool to see and I think that God just started to overflow the cup and all of a sudden he was at a work meeting and he couldn't hold it in anymore What if God is calling us to simply allow him to overflow our lives and change what we do and who we are? What would that look like if you just allowed God to overflow and take over? So I leave you with this question. The shepherds and the wise men. The shepherds weren't looking for Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're not looking for Jesus either. You probably wouldn't let anybody around you know that because it sounds prideful and conceited. But you're not looking for Jesus. You don't, you don't want anything to do with Jesus. You, you, don't, you don't believe in that. You don't want that. Maybe you're like the shepherds. You're just doing what you normally do. And, and what I would say is, Is it possible, just consider this, is it possible, I'm asking the question, is it possible that God wants to interrupt your life? Is it possible that God wants to to send something or, or do something that interrupts and changes the direction of your life? Maybe you know somebody in your family, in your friend group, in your neighborhood, they're not looking for Jesus. Maybe does God want you to interrupt their life? possibly. Or maybe you're here and you kind of identify more with the wise men. You're, you, you're actively seeking Jesus. Like you want to do what the Bible says. You, you've, you, you're like, you're trying to dig into this. You're, you're seeking this. You're trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. And you've been trying to do this. Maybe you're like, I don't understand what I'm reading, but at least I'm trying. Like you're going after, maybe you've been following Jesus your whole life that's awesome. Can I just challenge you with who you are in the Christmas story then? If you are seeking to follow after Jesus and and you've been doing this your whole life, let me just challenge you. You're not even the shepherds. You're not really the wise men. You know who you are. You are the star in the sky or you are the angel or the armies of heaven for the shepherds. Let me tell you why. Because God already knows you you trust him you believe in him you're following him that's awesome the question is how are you shining the light how are you promoting what you believe and who jesus is to all those around you are you willing to be the star are you willing to be the angel and some of you are like that's kind of weird right i don't know if i want to be a star i don't know if i want to be an angel i don't want to i don't know if i want to be the armies of heaven Sing glory to God. You should definitely this week knock on people's door and just say glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to all of you. And by the way, candlelight services on Friday. See you later. Okay, honestly, don't do that. That's just weird. Okay? But perhaps you sharing a social media post to say, hey guys, we're going to the Christmas candlelight services. We believe in this. We, we're excited about this. We'd love you to join, join with us. Let us know if you have any questions. We, we'd love to do that. Private message us, whatever. Or maybe these cards that you have, maybe it's simply handing this off to one of your friends or handing this off when you go to dinner with somebody or maybe even somebody at work. Maybe it's praying for somebody. Not just saying you're going to pray for them, but you're actually going to pray with them. That's scary stuff, right? Pray with them. Pray for them in person. Maybe some of you need to take a step of praying out loud in front of your family. I know some of you that have done that years ago, right? We've told some of those stories. Beautiful. A A lot of stumbling at first, and that's okay. But take the steps. What is God calling you to do? How is he calling you to be different? Are you willing to be the star? Are you willing to be the angel and promote Jesus? So what path are you on? What path are you on? Are you going toward Jesus? Or are you going somewhere else? Honestly, where are you headed? Decide. Because non-decision is a decision. Non-decision is a decision. Make sure you decide where you want to go who you want to be, and who you're following. And my hope is that that is Jesus. In just a moment, the worship team's gonna come up, and we're gonna sing a powerful song, one of my new favorite songs. It's called King of Kings. And it basically, it's very simply, tells the story of Jesus. It tells the story of God. How God loves you, and he gave himself and sacrificed for you, and so we can honor and praise him as a result. It is our battle cry. And so as we sing this song, my hope is that you make a renewed commitment to not only believe in Jesus, but to promote Jesus as best you can with your skills and your abilities. You don't have to preach about Jesus. All you have to do is love people and help them understand why you do. That's it. Are you willing to do that? As we sing this last song, let's make it our battle cry that that's what we're going to do. We're going to serve and we're going to praise the King of Kings. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this season where we can honor you. In these next few moments, we're gonna sing this powerful song that, that really just speaks to your strength and your power and your goodness and your glory. And I pray that as we sing this song, that it would be our battle cry. It would be our commitment today to walk out these doors and not do life as normal, but instead that we would listen for what you're calling us to do, whatever that is. And my guess is it's gonna be somewhat slightly or a lot uncomfortable because it's going to require us to stand the wrong direction in the elevator because everybody else is doing one thing and we're going to have to do something different. It's going to require us to start giving answers that nobody else is giving, that everybody else says is offensive to everybody else in the world. And we're going to have to start stepping out and being a little bit different. We're going to have to give away parking spots that are closed. We're going to have to start praying for people because we're going gonna to stop saying we're going to pray for them. We're going to actually stop. We're going to pray for them. We're going we're to offer them to you, Jesus, in that moment. We're going to step out. We're going to be different. And we know nobody else is doing this. But that's exactly why we have to. God, call us to be different. You have called us to be different. Help us to step out in courage, in faith, in faith. And allow you to be the overflow that people see in our lives. So Lord, in these next few moments, as we sing this song, may this be our commitment time, our battle cry to say, in this next week, in these next few weeks, in the next rest, the next few months, in the next, the rest of my life, help me to allow you to be the overflow. Make this our battle cry, God. We pray this and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.